This is Jason Martinez from Flyers Daily, and you're listening to the Flyered Up Podcast. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Flyered Up Podcast. I'm your host, Amadeo Grassi, along with my co-host, as always, Christopher Mayer, along with Tyson Glybell. Thank you for coming back to the show. I know you've missed a couple of the past recent ones, but it's always good to have you back. So, everyone, we're always live streaming on the Painted Lines, TTP Sports, and Flyers Fan Mania 93. As always, for people who can't tune into the live stream, it'll always be up on Apple and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast at. So, Chris and Tyson, the Flyers are a 6-2-1 team. How are we going to explain that? How are we going to explain that? Uh, as positive as possible. I mean, they're, they're winning games, but like, it, winning is fun. And I, I know I kind of mentioned that in my video last night. We're like, you know, obviously winning games is fun. They've won six, six of nine, right? But like, the game isn't really enjoyable. Like it is, but it isn't at the same time. I mean, it, the consistent effort is just not there yet. And and I think for the most part, they've 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 played in bits of pieces of games, but they just can't get that that flow of the game to kind of go in their favor for the most part. I think they've had a few games where they've looked like they've been into it, like that the shootout loss against Boston is probably their most consistent game of the season, and, and they lost. Um, I'd say maybe the maybe the three nothing win against Buffalo is probably second, and and that's probably it. I mean, I don't really think there's been a game like that where they've kind of had you know it kind of ebbs and flows. You know, it's it's nothing really crazy, but um, yeah, I, I think for now it's all right because again, you're early in the season, you're kind of just focused on picking up wins. But I think the message AB is trying to send is that w- wake up because it this is not gonna you know work going into the second month of the season. And Tyce, I want to get your thoughts on the uh, Flyers. Like, since you have, you you've been able to watch maybe the past few games or something like that, and like you have a bit on the pot. I just want to get your like your thoughts on the Flyers, just like their start and just like the way they're playing right now into this six one and start to the season. Yeah, it's it's funny because I think like if you look at the record, like you said, the record's good, but there's just so much concern that you wonder if it's sustainable, and that's the issue, right? Like you want it to be. Whatever they're doing, you want it to be sustainable. And they're the worst in possession in the league right now, or at least they were before yesterday's game. I haven't seen updated stats on five-on-five possession. Uh, their expected goals was just brutal at five-on-five. Like, uh, unless Giroux's on the ice, like I think something crazy is stat. I was looking at the other day. It's like uh, their possession is at like roughly, I don't know, like a 65% or something crazy like that when Giroux's on the ice, and it's less than 40 when he's not. So there's this like real difficulty as an organization where you look at that right now and you go, okay, cool. Well, we're six, two and one. This is awesome. But how is, how much of this is sustainable over say another 10 games, let alone the whole rest of the season. And are the flyers just like getting lucky in terms of puck luck right now? The special teams are brutal. Uh, is that more of what's causing like them to continue to stay in games and, and actually pull out victories? I think it is. Um, 
but you know, you never know. The funny thing is, I was reminded earlier today of uh, there was one season in particular. I remember when the uh, Ottawa Senators made the Stanley Cup, and then basically the next year, one of the worst teams in the league and kind of triggered their uh, rebuild. It was analytically speaking, the possession numbers were brutal uh, for most of that season at five on five, even went in the playoffs. And a lot of people were like, well, this was a, you know, this was lucky. And obviously they caved in the next year and completely rebuilt, basically. But, uh, I mean, the question could be, you got a hot, you have a good goalie, right? Carter Hart. Uh, potentially you could continue with uh, terrible possession stats. You could struggle at five on five and be dominant for the year. So there's a part of me that says this isn't sustainable. They have to turn it around at five on five very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and, and redo a lot of their uh, strategic systems, like, you know, some of the switches that they've done. Uh, starting in the playoffs last year don't seem to be working. I think they need to, to change that up. But on the other hand, they could also completely uh, buck that trend and and actually continue to win games at this rate uh, because of the, the 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 talent they have, the individual talent they have on their roster. So um, whether it's the goalie or whether it's Giroux just being insane so far this year, um, yeah. one or the other. Imagine if they just continue to win games, just playing the way that they are. Imagine like being a president's trophy team and you still, for some reason, get dominated every single game. I, I mean, that's, that's that's not going to happen, but just no. like imagine if that were the case. Because yesterday, we all know going into the game that it was like the reports we're talking about during the practices before AV's press conference before the game, and that, oh, Travis Connecty was going to be benched and Sam Morham was going to slot into the lineup. And then everyone started freaking out. Oh, why is AV benching TK? But AV explained it during his press conference that the Flyers five on five play especially has been bad. And Travis Konechny's, even though like he has the points to start off the season, he really hasn't done much since basically the hat trick he scored against Pittsburgh. Yeah. And, and Chris, one of the stats, like in his so many recent games, he only has like three shots on net in total. He's got two or three shots in his last three games played. I mean, he's, he can't, he's not generating anything. And I think, for the most part, like it makes sense. Cause I mean, if you look at their lines last night, they were not they were not sitting anybody else but Konechny if they were gonna sit. Like, listen, I don't like sitting players. I hate that because again, you want to see them play, right? But I understand why it happened. I mean, looking through the lines, right? Last night, you have Limblom with Hayes and JVR, Drew with Patrick and Voracek, Morin, as you said, slips in on the third line. You have Lawton with Faraby, uh, and then Raffle and Bunneman, uh Raffle Bunneman, Albi Kubel. So Again, the bottom six, that's not the issue. He liked the bottom six the other night. He talked about that in the post game when they won 3-1 against New Jersey on Thursday. So that's not the issue. The, he purposely calls out the top six, and you're not sitting Hayes or Patrick. Why? Because you don't have Couturier. You're not sitting two centers. And they have, they've have they they've played fine. Um, JVR has been pretty steady for the start of the season so far. I thought he's looked good. You're not sitting JVR. Uh, Limblom, you know, he's looked good. For the most part, and he's coming off, you know, the cancer diagnosis and everything. Voracek, I believe, leads your team in points by my memory. Um, Giroux is right up there, I believe, tied in for second, and he's your captain. So you're not really sitting anybody else besides connecting Amadeo, as you said. You know, why would they, you know, like why would they sit anybody else? Because again, it doesn't make sense. And for the most part, I I understand it too because why would you wait until the losses start to pile on? You might as well do it when you're where last night's game wasn't a dire game to win. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you want to win, but it's not like, you know, if they lost, they were out of the playoff, you know, you know, you know, trying to out of out of a spot to try to fight, fight to get back in. So for the most part, I think it makes sense for them to do it last night. And it's not like he was going to be, you know, sat for 
a long period of time. They already said after the game he was playing tomorrow, and we kind of figured that, right? So I think it makes sense, and I, I don't mind it. And they won the game. So it's not like it's, you know, a, a crazy thing. And just like to overall going into last night's game, you have Sam Morin in the lineup. Phil Myers comes back into the lineup, so that's a definite boost to the defensive core that has been actually really struggling. Right. And mm-hmm. just you, you see the message in the first period, it takes full effect. The, their flyers are they're out playing the Islanders. The, basically, this game you can describe as both teams playing the same styles. The Flyers, mm-hmm. they were pressuring the Islanders. They were forcing turnovers, and that's what led to both goals by Voracek and Hayes. Mm-hmm. The Flyers, they forechecked, forced turnovers, and they made the Islanders very uncomfortable. But then the Islanders in the second and the third period, it was it was completely different. Same they thing the Flyers. Yeah, basically they the dominated Flyers the Flyers from all points. Yeah, but I mean, literally both the Flyers' goals in the first period are generated off of the Flyers forcing turnovers at the blue line. They get a couple passes off, and they're two similar goals. It's essentially play where Voracek and Hayes are real, pretty much in the same spot, and they tap it by Varlamov. So, you know, again, they for, if you go back and you watch the second goal, they whip it around the boards. I believe Provorov was there to block it. They get the play. Hayes sends it down low to JVR, and they or, uh, JVR sends it to Hayes. He scores. And it's similar to the the first goal, too. I mean, they force it at the blue line. Drew sends it to Voracek, and it's one nothing. So, again, it, it 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 for the most part in the second and third, it it reminded me of the playoffs a lot. And like, I wasn't too worried to be honest because I'm like, because in the third period, I, I like seven minutes left. I'm like, just get to overtime. That's all I care about. I'm like, just just get a point out of this at least. And well, obviously they get the second one, but. Again, the second and third were just bad. I mean, it seemed like for a lot of it, they're just puck watching. They're, I mean, if you, I mean, I mean, I know we talked about this before the start, like the the two one goal, the Everly goal. Well, there's why is Pellick so wide open there? And like there, it seems like a lot of times when I watch when you know it reminds me of the playoffs with the Islanders is their defense is so mobile. Like you have guys like Nick Letty that's circling around the net. Why is Nick Letty cir- circling around the net? It's the same thing with Pellick. Like, there should be no reason why they essentially have to play that like a penalty kill. Everybody kind of just sits in the slot and waits for him. They have all this time on the outside. And then what happens? They have two guys go to one, open guy in the slot, and everybody scores. Sanham and Myers go right to Pellick, and they score. It's the same thing that happens on the second goal. Morin misses his assignment. Nobody's in front. or A lot of bodies are in front, but nobody's at the point. And Mayfield scores. It's like, it's like, it's like they just forget simple hockey. I mean, just to break it down in, in the easiest way possible, they had six shots in the first period. They had eight throughout the rest of the game, eight in the second and third. I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say. I think they've outshot teams in two games of the nine they've outshot. They've gotten out and shot in seven games. So again, as you said, Tyson, their five on five play is not good. And it's weird because it's not good, but they're scoring. Like they don't get many shots, but they score on their chances. I think that kind of shows the offensive talent they have. And the power play has been good. The penalty kill, we know it's been slumping. It's nine for nine in its last three games. So that's getting better too. But again, it's, it's weird. But again, should we really be this worried though? I mean, they've won six of nine games. Yeah, I think it's maybe where I worry slightly is uh, I wrote a piece when the Flyers hired Vigneault about how, he tends to have a pretty short tenure anywhere he coaches and that usually he maxes the potential out of his roster within two to three years of his tenure. And then more or less it goes downhill from that point. Um, Whether, you know, guys stop buying into the system or he starts losing guys. 
Um, and I was on Hockey Night in Canada last night. Kevin Bieksa talked about, you know, when they were, they were mentioning about Konechny being scratched, and he played for Vigneault as a veteran, and he talked about how that's one of Vigneault's things is scratching veterans uh, when things are not going well and how occasionally, like, over time, you can start losing uh, some of the veteran players in that as like, uh, okay, well, the team's not playing well. We can pick on one and bench him, right, depending on your team culture. So I think maybe you ask a question, like, has have they already stopped, like, buying into the system? Is just this a blip? Uh, is what Vino's doing going to work beyond, like, one more season? Perhaps it already feels like some of it's worn off. Now, granted, he's changed some of his the, – the way in which their system is looking right now. Uh, yeah. from last season to this season. So that, that very well could be a part of it. But I think that's probably more my concern is is what are, what are the players buying into? Is this just a blip, again, kind of like some of the playoff series? Or can they get back to that, you know, kind of original Vino uh, bump, so to speak, when he usually takes over a team and very quickly it's an easy yeah. system to build into and be successful? You know, one thing I'll say going off of that, it's very similar to last year. It, they were one in seven in the preseason. Like they they lost to Lazon, right? They were down four nothing <laughs> in that game. Yeah. They go five five and one in October. And in November, they're I believe the best team in the league in November. They had like 22, 23 points in yeah. 10 or 12 games. So it's very similar to last year, where they would kind of pick up wins, then they would like remember Amadeo, they started the season two and oh, lose four straight, then they win two games, lose three straight. And then they, I believe they ended up going one, one, and one to, at the end the end the month or whatever. I forget, but still, it's. It, I think it's early in the year, Tyson, to kind of go off that too. It's you're still yeah. nine games into the year. They haven't had consistent lines. They've played essentially the whole season so far without their number one center. They missed a top four defenseman for four games, and they went, I believe, two, one, and one in that span. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of positives you can kind of look at it. But I think for the most part, I, it's early. And I think yep. the thing that they noticed too is that if you go and you look at Myers's comments from yesterday before the game, how they kind of rally around each other and they support the decision that AV made. I don't think they're, I don't think it's, it's a losing like they're that, you know, AV's kind of losing the locker room like that. Because again, I think they, they understand they got to push themselves too. And I think they know this year, like, we, we we heard about it before going into the season. They looked at themselves last year as a team to go deep in the playoffs. They look at the, they look at themselves now as Stanley Cup contenders. So, you know, I personally don't think that they'll, you know, that they've lost the locker room because, again, they're still winning games regardless. Yep. And obviously we all know what happens when you win games. Everybody kind of follows along and, you know, things start to get better. But, again, I think it's very early in the season to kind of say that they're – and, they, again, this is not them against you. It's just – you know, I yeah, think yeah. for the most part, it's very early in the year still. And it's a yep. shortened year. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I think everybody's still trying to get in sync. They got to get into that game form. So, again, I don't really think there's any reason to be worried because it's very similar to last year. We saw how good they were last year. Um, I just think it might take some time now. Should it have, you know, should it be taking nine games into the year? No, probably not because you're a shortened year. And last year it took them, I don't, I don't know, maybe 18, 20 games before, if you count the preseason too. So again, I, I I don't know, but I I personally don't think um you know that the locker room's kind of lost. I think they kind of rally around it. Um, but I'm gonna if you want to go off of that. Yeah, and and just one of the comments that Tyson also brought up too was just that the one thing that does make me a little bit concerned is the sustainability of this. Is if you continue to play this style of hockey to where you're 
not getting as many shots and you're even though you are scoring on the chances that you're getting and you're relying way too much on your goaltenders to steal you the games, which I think a lot of the uh, even though the Flyers have been within their games, I think their goaltending has been really great. Brian Elliott has been amazing in the starts that he has been in. Carter Hart, he had a few bumps in the road, especially against one of the Boston games. But the past few games against the Devils, this past game against the Islanders, he has looked really good. He's definitely think, rebounded, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely rebounded from the Boston game where he showed like extreme frustration. But it's to right now, it's the sustainability of because right now, I think last night they had 17 shots, if I'm correct, right? And yeah. I think this was the third time this season that the Flyers have been held under 20 shots a game. And if you if you look at all of last season, they they were held to 20, under 20 shots twice. So that's that's something that you have to look into as well. So I know I know the way they're playing right now, it definitely shows that Sean Gatori what he means to the team. Yeah, because yeah. that is a definite huge loss, especially and, five on five. And I, and to go off that too, I think that's why G's numbers look so good. Because yep. Coots isn't there. And I think it shows <laughs> that everything they do, not it's not just winning the face-off. It's like what Coots does after the face-off is what's so important. And again, once he's back, and it sucks because he, he got put on IR yesterday. And I, I find that so weird. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like, remember when they said Coots was like week to week, you know? And it was kind of like or like two weeks. And then they said Myers was week to week. When Myers only missed four games and comes back before and Kutz is now put on IR. So I, I don't know if that was like a, a misread or whatever. I well, kind of find that a little odd. Well, but They said the thing with Katori that he was at least two weeks. So two weeks was the yeah. minimum that he was going to be out for. Mm-hmm. So with, with his injury, I wouldn't – since it was like like a rib injury, if I'm correct there too, Yeah, that's like something you really don't want to mess with. So I'm thinking they're trying to take as much time as possible with Katori to make sure he's fully 100%. And yeah, and that's the thing. Um, Because I think for the most part it was like – it seemed like that when they explained it, it kind of seemed like it wasn't as serious and he might, I honestly thought he would have came back earlier than he was supposed to just because of the way they kind of explained it and everything. Um, But Myers was different because like uh, there was videos of him on Twitter and it looked like he, he looked like he wasn't really put like, you know, obviously like taking reps of shots, at the blue line, like didn't look like he was putting much power on the shots. And, you know, he comes back, I believe that was Tuesday practice on Tuesday before the devil's game morning skate that day. Um, and he comes and he plays Saturday. So I, I don't really know. I, I just kind of thought that was funny. Yeah, I and, think uh, too with – oops, sorry, go I, ahead. No, you continue, Tyson. <laughs> I, I think with, yeah, I think with uh, – yeah, I think too with uh, the team as well, they're not going to push Coots back because of the fact yeah. they're 6-1-1. Like right. if they were, I think, like 3-4 and four right now or something like yeah. that or 2-5, or and five, I think they would be pushing him harder. But, I mm. mean, like we said, um, I, I think more – I think more like – the 20 game mark will be when we really can tell. I think most analysts guys say 20 games, we can really see what this team potentially is. We won't fully know what it is yet. So I agree with you, Chris, on that. Like it's still early uh, for sure. I think that just in general, though, there is like enough little pieces of concern that I think I, I could I could see them getting caved in a little more over the next 10 games. Yeah. Uh, but again, like it could go either way. Uh, and even and it's, it is even weird looking at the stats like. I was looking at uh, Farabee's stats the other day, and, and I'm like, oh, he's got five points in eight games. That's not bad. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, he had four in the season opener. Um, you know what I mean? So he had, he had four in the season opener, and she said one since then, uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of that going on as well that I think, like, again, as these guys get their legs, as they figure out their their combinations, we'll, we'll see some change. And I think Frost even was a big 
that's a big loss because now yeah. you're starting to dig real deep into guys like no offense to Bunneman, but he's an energy guy. Like yeah. that that's, that's he's really good too. Yeah, he's and and again, no knock on him. It's just like he's a third, fourth line max player. Uh bottom He's a role guy, yeah. Yeah. And so when mm-hmm. when you're having to replace you know, you replace a Kucher uh with Coots with Frost, it's like Yeah, it's because like, they okay, lost well, Coots. Yeah. They, they lost Coots and they lost Coots' replacement and Frost yeah. and everybody was like, What the yeah. hell? Because you're exactly. four games in the season and you lose two top six centers. It's like, uh oh. I th- I think the yeah. stretch coming up is probably the most important stretch of the season so far. You have the Islanders tonight, Boston on Wednesday and Friday at home, and then you have the Capitals who still have not lost in regulation. I think that's probably going to show you what kind of team this is. And if you think about it, they had stretches like that last year. Remember before the nine-game winning streak around that time, you had the home games against San Jose, Winnipeg, home and home against the Rangers, right? And then that was kind of when they won all those games, and it was like, oh, my God, like look at this team, and then the pause happened. So I think it's I think this is an important stretch. Um, a win tonight would be fantastic. <laughs> Even if they lose, like a win tonight would be really sweet because you oh. just – a win tonight, I'll still be very confused on what this team is. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like I don't. I'm not. Listen, like as I said, they're winning the game, but this is this can't have these can't keep happening. Where you got to like fight to win games. Obviously, you're not going to play a 60 minute game perfect. But when you have six shots in the first period and eight through the final 40 minutes, that's a little concerning. I I mean, I don't know about you guys, but yeah, that's. Um, yeah, that's where the question of sustainability comes in. Yeah, and, and again, I think it's. I think the. I think. Listen, I think tonight's going to be different because tonight's going to feel like a playoff game. I'll say this: you have the Islanders, right? They've lost three straight. They blow that lead against Washington. They lose last night in a game they 100 should have won. And then you have the Flyers, who, on the other hand, who magically well, I shouldn't say magically because they, they still came out and they, they won the game, but. Um, you know, they, they fight hard, they win the game, and you also got, you know, the top six kind of coming out, and it's like, okay, let's show up here. You know, TK's back. You got Moose and Net. You haven't lost with Moose and Net this year. So, you know, so I think tonight's going to be a, a good a good test for, for – I think it's going to be just a good hockey game in general too. But I think tonight, you know, I'm, I, I know I called a split. And I know I did say three of the next four, and I can't believe I got that right. I know Sean Fitzpatrick is going to just, just can me in the comments because of that. But <laughs> but it's it's funny because I could honestly see them winning tonight. And I know it sounds weird because they haven't played good, but I can. Like, knowing them, like, they would win tonight. You know what I mean? But also, the, but I have this conversation with Amadeo all the time because it's like we always say, like, whatever that thing is, it just spells out the word flyers. We always say that, and there's so many things that just go wrong. And <laughs> when Lawton scored, he texted me. He goes, he was like, "Of course, of course." Like, out of all guys to score in overtime, the amount of times since we started this podcast, he's seen Lawton have either a breakaway or do something in overtime. <laughs> it's just the funniest thing because there's always Lawton gets a breakaway or a penalty shot or whatever. And I mean, am, am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I feel like he gets so many of them, and you know, he, you know. I, I again, I think for the most part, hey, listen, it's not. It, it obviously hasn't been perfect, but I think this, as I said, this stretch coming up is going to be really important for this team. Yeah. And going into tonight's game, for the Islanders' standpoint, do you think they go Varlamov again, or do you think they go Sorokin? I didn't think Varlamov. I thought he was good the other night. Or I thought he was good last night. 
I don't really blame any any of the goals on him. Um, I don't know. I mean, they could go Sorokin. I mean, I didn't think it's probably it is a back-to-back situation. I didn't yeah, see what, what the rest of their schedule looks like. Yeah, that's what I would think. They would just like with the back-to-back situation. Okay, we'll just throw Sorokin in the net. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, I, I think we'll probably see Sorokin. I could be wrong. Yeah, because- they they play again uh, tonight. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. They got the they got the Sabers um, at home Tuesday, Thursday, and then the Penguins on Saturday night. So I would assume they probably go. They could go Varlamov tonight and then go Sorokin against Buffalo, but I wouldn't be surprised if they throw Sorokin in tonight. How many games has he played? Two, three. I think two. he's played a few. Yeah, he's played a few. Yeah, I know. I know he got smoked in that uh, his opener <laughs> right when he had to come in yeah. for Varlamov because he got hurt in warm up. Yeah, I I haven't I haven't really seen his his uh, stats or anything. Has he looked good, Tyson? Do you know at all, or Amadeo? He hasn't. No. <laughs> I'm high yeah. on him too, but he hasn't. He's had a, a rough start. Um, <laughs> they just haven't played well in front of him. But the Islanders have had a rough start too. That's been a part of it. Like I think I where I've been wrong, I assumed that they would be a team that would just immediately pick up where they left off, like kind of returning the same team from last year and even most of the year before of like. The, the Barry Trotz system of just shutting everybody yeah. down. And I mean, obviously there's an extent to that last night, as you said, only eight shots through 40, but they just haven't been able to get anything else going as a team. Yeah. And they have struggled defensively. Like the fact that usually what the Islanders do so well is they make, they make every goalie they put in net look like the second coming of uh, Tony Esposito, like uh, just stopping everything because they take away all high danger shots. But, uh, they have not done that so far this year. They've had a real struggle with that. So, um, yeah. so if they put Sorokin in, I, I think it's more system based being the issue for them right now. They don't have it quite together yet, more so uh, than you know talent of goalie. But um, yeah, that's my thought anyway. I I, I kind of like it reminds me of last year with them because they, like they put it together in the playoffs, but in the regular season they were like what fighting for a spot. Yeah, like they, they didn't really look like they were going to be a playoff team. I think they just kind of put it together in the playoffs. They rallied around it. Yeah. And that's how I kind of looked at them. Like I looked at them in, in two ways. Either there's going to be the same thing as last year in the regular season where they were kind of fighting, or as you said, they were going to just kind of pick it up. I kind of had some other teams in the division kind of fall off, like the Penguins, and, and they're still playing good with everything that's going on with Rutherford and all that stuff. Um, so I, I, I don't really know with, with the Islanders. I mean, I – I'm not going to rule them out because again, it's, you know, with the way they play and things that they, that they can do, I, I'm not too worried about them, but on that thought in my head is like, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I don't really know. So I think it could go either way for them to be honest. Yeah. And like speaking on some of those teams you were talking about, like one team I didn't expect to be starting the way they did are, are the Rangers. How about that whole Tony D'Angelo situation, putting him on waivers? I, I think the, I did. The Rangers are just too young. I think that's, that's kind of the issue we're seeing here. Right. I mean, I'd have to think. I can't, I haven't watched really many of their games to say much, but I think it's just they might just be too young. Yeah, I mean, I think they lost losing Lundqvist, even though it's not necessarily like his play that they're losing. I think some of what you're seeing is they're lacking in the leadership department, like in some yeah. ways. And it seems mm-hmm. like there's we're waiting to get official word on some of the Angelo stuff, but I've read a few Twitter rumors just circulating from some people in New York, just talking about there being internal issues. So I think that could also contribute to the start, lack of trust. Um, a lot of young players being inserted. I mean, even their blue line, like 
their blue line's exciting, like for the future. They have Adam Fox and this Kayon. They have Miller plan, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's 20, and uh, there are people, a lot of people are higher in him. But you've got a, a second year defenseman playing on your top pairing in Fox, and you have Miller on your second pairing. And uh, and then up front, you have Kako. Truba, right? And all right, Truba defense, too. Yeah, as their main veteran. But uh, up, up front, you got Lafreniere, Kako uh, as kind of these two or younger you know, guys that they're relying on and, and they've struggled. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see that. I, I think that they're going to be uh, on the outside looking in again. I don't really see how they're going to turn the corner uh, unless something drastically happens. So, yeah, and I think like with the way we've seen with, with uh, COVID and COVID protocols, it's really hard to make trades right now. Like yeah. even the, the Dubois line A trade last week, line A finally got off a plane in Columbus yesterday. Now he starts to quarantine. Uh, and then Dubois is already like a weekend. And they the Jets even petitioned the Canadian government to try to get him knocked down more. If, if they flew him in a private jet, like, can he just do seven days? And they said, <laughs> no, you got to do 14 still. So he still has another, I think, like six days left before. So you're, you're literally just icing these lineups in that instance where both your teams are missing that type of guy. Yeah. So if you are a team like the Rangers or even say like the Flyers, I think that's the reason why the Flyers haven't made uh, a change, like in terms of trying to just pick up even someone on waivers in some instances, because you have to deal with these protocols. Uh, yeah. It's not as simple as like, oh, cool, we have a hole. So let's just say, and I don't think they will, but let's say the Flyers are like, oh, Tony D'Angelo, we need a defenseman, we're going to grab him. Like, even though they're state apart, like, there's yeah. still enough of an issue there, I think, that you're going to have to deal with some some fallouts of protocols, but is making it hard for you to do anything that's not internal right now. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think, and, and, and that's why I kind of sucked in the Gosses Bear case, because like, there was a rumor going around that like he didn't have COVID. It was just like his girlfriend's a nurse, so she was like around somebody that had it or contracted it, whatever, and yeah. you still have to go through it. So it sucks because he, he probably would have played to start the season. You would have saw him on the opener. Provorov probably wouldn't have started with Braun. He probably would have played with Ghost to start the year. So a lot of things would have changed. And like I know the Penguins are in the same similar situation because they didn't have Kapanen either for opening night and I believe the first few games. Yeah. Um, so, again, a lot of teams are getting hit by I mean, Florida's played five games. Like, there's some teams that have barely played. Like, I know – how many games have the Leafs played, Tyson? Nine? He, oh, I think more than that now Ten? even, actually. Ten, yeah. right? Yeah, we've played quite a few. They've been one – the Canadian teams have been hit the least with having to do postponements or anything. Yeah. Um, but the Canadian government is significantly stricter federally, like too. So it's also less surprising. Like in Ontario, for example, they're on a like a stricter lockdown than they were at the beginning. Right mm-hmm. now, um, there's you can't go anywhere or do anything really. Uh, it's really intense. So. Um, yeah. So there's there's no way for the for the Leafs to to contract it. It would appear. Um, because of how strict it is, unless they, you know, there's nowhere for them to go uh, yeah. or do anything. So, yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, too, how about the Leafs, man? 7 2 and 1, 15 points. I mean, yeah. the, I mean, it, it's not a great division. It doesn't look like it's good. But I mean, hey, I, I had the Leafs winning the division from the beginning. But uh, a couple thoughts on that? Yeah, I did too. I was trying not to be biased. Uh, but <laughs> I think I'm more cynical, actually, normally. Uh, the Canadians have been scaring me, though. Uh, they've been yeah, five, one, and two. Oh, they've been exceptionally good, and they've been fun to watch, which is weird for me to say. 
Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Austin Matthews even right now has the lowest shooting percentage of his career, and I believe he's number one in goals in the NHL right now, if that tells you how good he's been. So it's like he's, he's normally shooting at almost 3% higher on average than he is this year. Uh, and he's still almost a goal per game. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible. I was so salty last night watching that some of the uh, the um, Flames-Habs game because for my fantasy team, and last night was a big night for games, so my whole lineup was in. So I'm looking at my lineup. I got three goalies. I got Hart, Bobrovsky, and Markstrom, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking through. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start Bob tonight. I, I knew I, I was keeping Hart regardless. I'm, like, I'm going to start Bob. Bob got, combined, Hart got me five points. Bobrovsky got me 5.2. Got me 10.2. Markstrom alone had 14.4 in a shutout. And he was on my bench. Him alone had more than two goalies combined. I was so salty. But, I mean, I was already up by, like, 20 points. So I, I pretty much knew I was going to win for the week. But I would have been up even more if I had Markstrom in. I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I'm kind of, like, at the end of the night, like, flipping through my roster. I'm like, he had 14.4 points and he was on my bench. I was like, oh, my God. Completely missed <laughs> Man. I mean, I haven't even touched fantasy at all this year. Like, it's like one of those things where I want to do it. And then like when I get into it, I just, I completely forget about it. <laughs> I've done it the past few seasons and I just forget about it halfway through. I'm like, oh my God, I'm on fantasy. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's funny a lot. I kind of just like preset my lineup. But then like I've had a lot of guys get injured. Like I had Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. Well, they were out four games. So I was like, that's great. Now these guys aren't, aren't going to be on my bench for four games. And I ended up losing uh the one week because i everybody i had like four or three three or four maybe even five guys that were either ir out day to day i'm like jesus i'm just getting hit with the injury bug and um you know i think for i mean i there's still a good amount of games tonight um it's so weird how the schedule is though like some days there's one game a day and then the next game you got like 15 games on yeah, and that it's time when weird. it's only one, and that time when it's only one game, it's the Chicago Blackhawks for someone. Yeah, it, it's always like or, the worst the 15, from the Central Division. Yeah, and if the fifteen games are on on the one day, fourteen of them start at exactly the same time. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> or even yesterday, I I turned on the TV and I'm on Pacific time, so it's ten a.m. Turned on the Devils uh, Sabers game. It was mm-hmm. over, and I'm just like, oh, cool, and I have it set so I can't see the scores on NHL TV because I just in case I can't watch something live, I can choose. And and uh, and I'm looking at the TV, and I'm going, huh, there's no other games on till what time? And then check, and then I'm like, all the other games except for one for the rest of the day are starting at the same. They didn't even stay going by 30 minutes. So <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, they used to do that all the time. It would be like, you know, the Kings would say, so say the Kings had an early game for the West Coast, they would start 30 minutes before the latest game, or maybe the Devils would start at like 7 Eastern, and then like the Rangers would start at 7.30 Eastern, or six or something like that. So then if you are at home you're and you're surfing, you're able to stagger and actually follow them. But instead, you're like, what in the world? So, and it's weird too, because like, I think what, three teams have fans? Maybe four now. I think St. Louis got added. So that's not yeah. the issue. I know Nashville. Like, what's the issue? Yeah, Nashville, yeah. Florida, Dallas, and St. Louis, and Arizona. Didn't so Ottawa get passed too? Nope. I could have sworn they did. Yeah, yeah, no, they want sworn, to. But... I know Melnick passed, like, what? what is it, like 6,000, 5,000? Yeah, that's what he said, but the Canadian government is like, no go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And the one thing that sucks about like all these games that are starting at the exact same time, it gets me so aggravated because I want to watch some of these games in the Canadian division because it's like just an exciting division. Because I want to see teams like Toronto play. I want to see teams like Montreal play. Sadly, I want to see I want to see Connor McDavid doing what he did last night against the Maple Leafs. Yep. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. Where I was crying. Where I was crying in the corner at one point. I I got to ask you. Were you actually like? Were you mad at that, or were you just like, oh my god? He does it against us all the time. So yeah, no, I'm like at this at this point. Twice. In awe, you're like you're because because I'm imagining trying to play defensively against him especially when he split the D there where he's putting it in, in such a way where it looks like you could probably just, well, there's a part of me on the first go round that says, just hit him. Like just, just stay in your ground and move forward like this. But uh, then you keep watching the replays and you're like, Oh wait, that that's irrelevant. Like it's, you just can't. So yeah, you just watch him and you're like, no one else can do that right now. And you kind of just have to go. Eh, yeah. I remember, I don't know if it was last year. I think it was actually the year before. 1819 he scored that one against the flyers where he literally dangled on like three guys i'm just like oh my god like i i, I can't even say anything about it i'm just like you can't you, you, you just got, you just gotta watch and like yeah. just appreciate it yeah and then like there's there's ones where him and dry set all the two and one like oh my god i'd be like i'm like what's the over under they don't score here like it, it's gotta be through the roof i'm like jesus that's what uh, happened in overtime last night yeah i mean it doesn't even matter who the third guy is they put in the three. They won like with with McDavid and Drysaitel. They won the faceoff, and like thirty one seconds later, it was over. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's like Drysaitel's on my fantasy team, so them not having a good start has kind of hurt me. But there's nights where like <laughs> they lose, and he's got like seven, eight points. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> Imagine like, if they were a good he kind team. Of carries a little bit. <laughs> I know. I feel so bad for him. I feel like if he was in pretty much on any other team, almost in this league. I say the same thing with McDavid. Yeah, I feel like I, I hate saying it, but I feel like they're kind of wasting his career. They are because he's he's in such a bad spot where like it looks like on paper they don't look like a bad team. They could they have a little bit of weaknesses. I don't think their goaltending is their best uh, best spot, but again, their defense. It looks like their defense has been atrocious, is what I keep saying. But I, I don't know. I mean, what's their record now? Four and six, five and six. I think it's four and six now. Yeah. But they had, I mean, they had they Josh the Archibald. They had Josh Archibald playing on McDavid's right wing last night. Ugh. Like that's that's what keeps happening with him on that team that that does drive you crazy. Are, are they injured? Not not that much. I mean, they have other guys. It's just some of his coaching, I think, but some of it is just I don't know. It's just weird. I'm like watching McDavid, Archibald, and I don't know Cassian at some point, and you're just like, yeah. oh. Like, I know they got Yamamoto. Um, yeah, he's good. Who's the other winger that they have? Uh, uh, Nugent Hopkins. Puyarvi. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Nugent Hopkins. They had Ennis, yeah. but he was on, I believe, waivers or IR. Yeah, he played uh, last night, but yeah. I'm on the fourth line. Yeah, and I think that was the first game of the year they used the reverse retros. Yeah. So, yes. teams. Yeah. Yeah. The two worst, like, reverse retros. I, I actually <laughs> like the other one. The least from Toronto's is. Ugh. I, I don't I don't get the least one. You can't see the numbers. Nope. I, I, yeah, I don't know why they're blue numbers. <laughs> I, I was kind yeah, of hoping they'd be gray or something. My three year old son asked me what was wrong with the Leafs uh, jerseys <laughs> yesterday, unprompted. So a lot he of was things. like, "Daddy, what's wrong with the jerseys?" It's like <laughs> a lot of good things. observation, bud. <laughs> a, a lot, a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, Chuck Fletcher, can you please pull your magic and bring Connor McDavid to Philadelphia? 
trade Robert Hagen a third, and you'll get Nick David immediately. <laughs> Chaos is fair, one for one. <laughs> hell, hell, Nate Prosser. Nate Prosser is an elite defenseman in this league. Trade him for Connor McDavid. They did that with Taylor Hall and Adam Larson. Yeah, uh, Prosser, Prosser for Norris. <laughs> now, now, the one thing I want to bring some of the comments into the section because we have a lot of comments in the live chat right now. So, Sean Fitzpatrick saying the over under for the Flyers shots on goal tonight. I'll say seven shots on goal total for this game. I was going to say, I mean, yeah, this comment's only been up here for 20 minutes. It's... <laughs> <laughs> we also got Dibes saying, What's up, fellas? What's up, Dibes? How you doing? We got Steven here. Steven's always like a consistent member on the pod and also on the Flyers watch party. Thank you for joining us always, Steven. Glad a coach has the stones to call out TK on his inconsistent play. Yeah, we're, we're all here. We're in agreement that it was the right call to call out the top six bench and connect me. And then he says, uh, nip the nonsense in the bud. And then uh, Sean Fitzpatrick says, you can torture prisoners on death row, force them to watch the second and period and third period last night. <laughs> And then we have a question right here from Dibes saying, are Flyers fans panicking? It can't be worse than the Sixers who were nine and four. And you would think the sky is falling on Twitter. Yeah, they are. I'll say this. I don't even look at Twitter when the game's on anymore. That's how bad it is. I, I, I can't look at it. It's just like your opinion can get swayed like that. And it's so negative. It's not even yep. funny. Like I, I can only imagine like, I, I, I like, I don't like follow like Eagles or, or Sixers, but like, in Tyson's perspective, I can only imagine Leafs Twitter. Oh God! Only imagine, like it's oh, just... oh, oh. And I thought the yes. Flyers were bad. You know, <laughs> like I look, I read some of this stuff, and I think to myself, what? Like I had a comment on YouTube this morning, and it was like something somebody saying to sit Raffle. Think to myself, why would they sit what? Raffle? Like what? Raffle's been playing consistently good all year. The message is not to sit somebody who's one playing good. It's to sit somebody in the top six, not the bottom six. AV's comments calling out the top six. Why would they sit Michael Roffel? He's played fourth line. Michael Roffel is a fourth line steady player. He's played consistently. You know, why would they? It just doesn't make sense. I had a comment it's, on it's one of my videos the, saying that Morin looked okay yesterday. I'm like, what? He looked all right. Like, he made what? the plays he had to, but he was lost on the goal. I don't even think he got it. He might have even gotten maybe one or two shifts in the third. He, he played He played five minutes total, I think, around yeah. that. Like, yeah. if anybody thinks that Morin is going to come in and give them an offensive punch, I don't really no. understand what you thought from, from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the Quebec League, I think his career high in goals was like seven, maybe, yeah. as a defenseman. So, like, yeah. you're talking – and that was him playing, you know, 30 minutes a night. Like, He's he's never gonna be that guy, no matter what role you have. At no. this point in his career, he no. looks like just a, a fringe NHLer that'll see the, some minutes. And uh, it sucks because he's so, he's the only reason he's looked at it like that is because he's size. He's abnormally large. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I just I want I wanted him to fight Matt Martin so bad last night, so bad. <laughs> like like I saw him chirp, like talking to him in warmups. I don't know if he's chirping him, whatever. But like they showed the camera of it, and you see like Morin goes over, and then you see Martin like kind of smiling after. Like I, I really wonder what he said, because it might have been like, "Oh, do you want to go or something?" Like I don't really know. But that would be so funny if Morin, you know, fought Martin, and then they kind of just had like a scrap right to start. And I love that his first shift, he got hit by Martin. That like it, it, all of it kind of fell into place. But again, like I don't think Morin's going to play tonight. I don't know. I, I don't think you'd send anybody else for him. That just doesn't make sense. And again, 
just because Moore went in the lineup for Konecki doesn't mean that, you know, that's Konecki's replacement. Yeah, it's not TK's yeah. replacement. He didn't even play Toxpiss minutes. As you said, what did he play? Like five, five he and a half? Right around five minutes yeah. around then. Yeah. So still, it's it's nothing to do with Konecki. But again, I mean, I listen, the, 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 there's a lot of stuff like I've been saying it before. I'm not worried about this team. There's no reason to be worried. They've played, they haven't played a, a somewhat good game all year and they've won six of nine. Like, and, you know, they have points in seven, in, you know, seven of the nine games. I'm not, like, you know, like, crazy worried because, again, they're still, if they were, like, as you said, Tyson, earlier, they're, like, four and six or something, I'd be like, what the hell? But, again, they're winning games. But, again, as I said, it, it can't it can't last forever. Yeah. And I think the one thing, too, is when some people are, like, asking Chuck Fletcher to go out and make these, like, major trades or something like that, like, what happened with, it? like, these, these people want to, Chuck to make a blockbuster deals out. Cause one thing you got to put in mind is the expansion draft. You've also, you got to base your moves off COVID. You got to base your moves off the expansion draft. Like maybe the flyers are active for maybe like a minor depth role in the defense and at the trade deadline, maybe they go after something like that. Yeah. They're not going to make this blockbuster move because you got to put the expansion draft in mind as well. Right. So, and I'll say this, and I was kind of talking about this yesterday. Do you think they just kind of look at this year as like, let's see what we have keep it in the house for the year, make a couple signings. They signed Gus, they signed Pouliot. You think they just kind of look at it and say like, let's just kind of see how this year rolls out and kind of let AV kind of take the, take the bull by the horns, so to speak, and kind of it see does. how they do. Because again, they already added, they already added pieces internally in Patrick and Limbaugh, right? So is there really that much they had to do? The, the You know, if we're really going to sit here and say that they had options to get uh, another defenseman in here, I I'd beg to differ. I mean, they did and they didn't. The only realistic one out of the five that I maybe can remember is Brody, and he and with Toronto he got he got the no move clause, and he was not, you know, there's no way. I mean, Schmidt, his his cap was higher than Niskanen, five point nine. Niskanen was five point seven. Yeah, term yeah. too. He had he had five years left on that. I I didn't see that coming here either in a flat cap world with the cap they had at the time. No way, unless yeah. you're and again. The only way you're making a trade is if you give up the same cap you have and, and take and, the same cap back. Right. Or around it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to say JVR. Well, JVR makes seven million dollars. If it was six, I could understand that. But seven million dollars in a flat cap world for the next two years after this year, which could change because is that is that written in the CBA that they can't change that? Do you know that? Like is that written in the CBA where like the cap can't get modified after this year? I think they can. I think the board of governors can vote to to make a change on that at some point. They just tend to yeah. not. <laughs> like they, I think they'd rather just press the players into it. But yeah, yeah. No, I'm right there with you on that. I mean, you know, just a question on the screen there about, you know, do you make a move, and if so, maybe for who? That is a perpetual question. Like I was just racking through my brain. Like, okay, you want to make it? I think I think they want to make a defensive move if they're going to first like think forward depth is their forte i thought of the few forwards that are on like cheaper one-year expiring contracts like carl soderberg on the mm-hmm. blackhawks because he can play in all situations uh you know he could play in your top six and not be the worst and also be a really good bottom you know bottom six forward that could play in your penalty kill this cap hits under a million so you could fit him in pretty easy but when it comes to defense still it's like a lot of those bigger contracts got moved around, like you said, in the off season. And then if you look at guys on expirings, like, I don't know, like a guy like Tyson Berry, the Oilers are still bad in the North division and 3.75. It's still even, 
at the deadline, still 3.75, and he's terrible defensively. <laughs> so he's not really going to help on that front. Uh, he's had a rough start to the season again for the second year in a row. So I don't think he really moves the needle much for you that way. Maybe like if Columbus is still bad, like a David Savard on a expiring, if he doesn't resign with mm-hmm. them, he's more defensive minded. Um, but he's still a 4.25 cap hit. So unless they're retaining, right. Right. Uh, part and of the salary. Clint- it's. And I think the thing is, is if you kind of, I didn't mean to cut you off, but go off of that. If you, if you're looking at 4.25, who's the one defenseman that makes around that gossip spare. So that's the thing. And you also have to look at it internally. Look, what do they have after this year? You have, Lawton and Roffle, they have to resign. They're both UFAs. You have Patrick off his one-year RFA. You have Bonnenheim's one. You got Sanheim. Hard hard. You have Morin and uh, Gustafson, UFA. And then you have Carter Hart and Elliott, actually. You have both your goaltenders. I mean, in-house, you got really nothing crazy. Twarinski, Andreoff, Prosser, and Lyon. That's it. So a couple signings. I mean, Hart, you know, it'll, it, that'll be a, a – uh, decent sized contract. Um, he's not going to get anything for six million. Yeah. So that'll I think, probably be I, I think anything you do with Hart is fine. If you if you choose to go long term, you're fine. I'm fine. But if you choose to go bridge deal, I'm fine with it. Yeah, it's either or. I mean, I don't really even think it. That's the thing. I mean, there's people I think will get like ten million. Like that's that's not happening. That's not happening um, yet. No, he, he won't get anything over six million. I'll say that. Um, because again, he's he's young, and it's not. You know what I mean? They can't. They're obviously going to throw money at him because he's a franchise goaltender, but they're not going to throw that much because they still have to be smart too. And it's not like Hart, you know, wants to leave or anything like that. He's he's a restricted free agent. Um, so again, I think his contract is it's probably the obviously the most important one. And then you obviously have Sanheim too, which could get around the same thing. But again, I mean, if we're looking at it like that's kind of my thing. It's like if they were even to move somebody, it, it's it's either going to be I, my guess is they could honestly either keep ghost after this year or they can move him because he is playing good and boosts his value. That's really the only thing I have right now. If they were to move somebody, I mean, Oh, Chris's connection got a little uh, shattered there a little bit. <laughs> can you hear me here? Yeah. You're, yeah, you're fine right now. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I think you like you cut off like on like uh, who they could possibly trade after ghost or like, I'm, I'm assuming you were talking about Sandheim, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I was kind of saying that, like, for the most part, it, it was weird. Tyson was, like, frozen for, like, two minutes. Um, it, it, I, I was saying that they pretty much can just really keep everything that they have. I don't really think there's anything else they can – any guy that can really get rid of unless they're looking to move something like that. So I kind of think the roster is set. It's just, like, what can you kind of add in-house is my question. But uh, there's, a, there's also one maybe move that may intrigue me a little bit. I know the whole situation with St. Louis and Vince Dunn. It's a little bit of an iffy situation with him. Yeah. Yeah. So he has a cheap contract. It's like around 1.4, 1.5. He's an RFA and he has one year left on his contract. Yeah, the RFA is a little bit because that's another RFA you have to deal with. But yeah. like, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Like, Maybe does Chuck Fletcher at the trade deadline go after a Vince Dunn? Maybe just to help the blue line? He has experience. Yeah. He won a couple in St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, if he's going to make a move like that, that's the type you make uh, with some potential there. Um, rather than just fill a hole, I think. And and on top of that, like Dunn is better defensively uh, than some of the other options out there, I think. Um, and he is really skilled offensively as well. And he's fun yeah. to watch. He's he's a, watch he's a, he is fun to watch. He's like a good, young, like two-way offensive defenseman that you yeah. know can put up points. And like, 
I, I mean, he's probably better than Gustafson defensively. Um, I think for the most part, if you're going to trade anybody for him, it's, you know, could, could you package like, you know, and I know we bring it literally say it as a joke, but could hag in a third work. Like, and I'm not even like trying to joke around like that, that might work. Um, maybe you throw Freeman in there. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really want to just like trade a guy to trade a guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd like them to yeah. see if it'll fit. And if I think it could work, um, but, there's a rumor know, that he's asking for a first to start with. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They're that asking. was the first ask. So, and that's part of the thing right now we're finding is like, I think there's value. There's so much value to guys on cheap contracts. Uh, we saw that the trade deadline last year with, uh, with Tampa Bay giving up a first for Coleman with the devils. And then a first for another first for Barkley Goudreau, who people yeah. were like, who? Like in a lot of circles. And it's like, they got a first, but it was because they were locked in for an extra year at under a million. Yeah. Uh, or at least uh, Goudreau was, and then uh, Coleman was 1.8 with a, as a 20 goal scorer for one more season. So, guys, yeah, yeah. two guys who won a cup, right? So, I think in the sense of the Flyers, like eh, with Don or any team, it's like those players, even if they're not like your superstar guys, their value is going to be exceptionally high because of the team's ability to fit them in this season or next. So I'm I'm curious to see what or or even this might sound a weird one, but like the Leafs are rumored to be looking at Travis Dermott moving him out, and um and he's I think his cap hits like uh, less than a million this year, um and he's had his struggles like I think he's a third pairing right now on the Leafs and depending on roster could be the same. He I think he does still have a little bit of a higher ceiling than that, but I think his value is such in the same way that another team might you know be willing to take a chance on him with a higher pick or something because of his low hit. You know, he, all right, here's a funny one. And don't, don't take this the wrong way. Just, just hear me out. You imagine Latang? Oh, Could you imagine that? <laughs> he's been rumored to like, hey, this guy's been in trade rumors since what? Like 2015, 16. He, he's yeah. basically been like ghost in, yeah. in so many he's trade rumors. Rumored. Him and Malkin are like rumored like every year. Like it's like the weirdest thing. And like rather for apparently I, I was just listening to the Steve Dangle podcast before this, and they were saying that there was a report that Rutherford was working on a Latang trade. And that's one of the reasons why he left was because the the, the uh, whole Lemieux group, uh, the management, they didn't want it. Yeah, they wanted Latang to retire at Pittsburgh. Yeah. And, and my thing is, is like, would that even still go through if Rutherford isn't there? Like, if they want to keep him. He's got one year left at I think seven point two five, yeah, and I think he has a modified no trade clause, so we don't even know what teams. And I would I wouldn't be surprised if Flyers are on the list to not get traded though. It's <laughs> uh, a Penguin his whole career, so like, but it, it just makes me think like Provorov literally like grew up like idolizing Latang and wanted to play as Latang and not play as Latang, but you know similar game style and. If you go on Provorov's Instagram, there's literally a picture of him and Latang, and like from like 2012. Um, and I, I find it so funny. Like, could you imagine Provorov paired with Latang? How scary they'd be! Oh god. <laughs> and as um, much as like I hate Latang, I honestly hate Latang more than I hate Malkin, and Crosby's number one. So like, <laughs> and you know what? And you know, do you know why I hate Latang so much? Because why? of Pierre Maguire. He's got <laughs> Latang. I'm like, dude, come on, just say his name. Like it's just like nobody calls him that, but you, no one. Wait, what? What does he call him? He calls him Christopher Latang. Uh, he always says his yeah. full name. I'm like, oh my god. 
You know, you know the you know the one thing that would be weird since Pittsburgh now has the GM opening. Imagine if Ron Hextall takes the job. He was actually rumored to be in the in the GM hunt. He's rumored in it. You know how weird that would uh, be. Village too. (laughs) That would be really weird (laughs) to see Hextall as the GM there. (laughs) Could you imagine? Oh God. Maybe maybe he'll like force the ownership to go through like an actual rebuild or something like that. Because you know the Penguins window that it's closed. They're nowhere close to winning another Stanley Cup for a long time. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe maybe Hextall tries to convince Lemieux to try to go for yeah. a rebuild. Could you honestly? Yeah, I was gonna imagine? say I don't think that their owners think that they're there though. I think yeah. they still think the window's open. I think yeah, because again, they, I mean, I'm not I'm not rolling out Crosby and Malkin. I don't think they are either. I'm not rolling. I'm not ruining out Crosby and Malkin until they're gone. You know, <laughs> like I just can't. Because again, I even thought that they wouldn't be good this year, and they're still right there. You know. Yeah. They're they're pretty. I mean, they're knocking on the door, but they're a couple steps back. So it's <laughs> it's. Uh, listen, I don't. I think it's tough with them because they're they're in a weird spot where like they're young but they're old. You know, like they look like they have a younger team that looks a little promising and then they're like kind of don't at the same time. Like they have a good mix of veterans in the leadership and everything. Like obviously Crosby and Malkin, two of the best players ever play and all that stuff. But like they're, I'm just, I'm not going to rule them out. I'm just not. It's if it's Crosby and Malkin or, you know, together, I'm not ruling them out. I just can't. Yeah. They just have this weird, I th- and I think this is, we'll, we'll see who takes Rutherford's place, but he was just not great at some talent evaluation in particular and that's killing them like even the leaf the trade he made with the leafs in the offseason a first for Casper kapanen i was like huh like uh and i, and I didn't hate Kapanen. he's just like a third line ceiling guy and and they drafted him originally i think he's 24 now he's kind of past the point where you're like oh could he be more than it's like a 30 goal guy or something you're like no this is who he is he's a fast third line player and uh and instead it's like he's worth a first uh and his cap hit wasn't even low so for for that sort of role it was over three million so it was just a really strange like situation where he's done that a lot and so rather than having like guys in the pipeline that maybe could add some youthful exuberance to it it's like they just move stuff on very very quickly and uh they just don't have much on the long term yeah, and just to get to some of the other comments before we uh getting closer to the end of this episode. So uh Steve has a question for you, Tyson. Does the back of the North Star shirt that you're wearing have a Dave Gagne tribute? <laughs> I wish it did. <laughs> or Brian yeah, Bellows. Know. I really want a Brian Bellows uh whose son plays on the Islanders, ironically enough now. Kiefer. Um yeah. but I wish I had Bellows on there. He got uh Sean saying the more in lineup insertion paid dividends last night, not. <laughs> <laughs> then we uh have a comment right here from Kevin saying, uh, where were you yesterday, Amadeo? Why wasn't there a Flyers watch party live stream? I uh, uh, wasn't able to do a watch party yesterday, Kevin, but don't worry. There will be a watch party tonight, always on TPL, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Don't worry. There there will be one tonight. I ha- had a little bit of a day off yesterday. We all need those. And mm-hmm. if even if we had a watch party yesterday, you would have saw me fuming <laughs> watching that second and third period. You would have saw steam coming out of my ears. That's how bad they were. <laughs> Yeah, ever since that Buffalo one, I think I'm going to join one of those again. I can't. I was so livid after that game. Oh, my. And and you know what? I, I like doing them. They're fun. 
but I, I don't want to bring bad luck if the first one I go on, they get blown out 6-1 at home to the Sabres. And then Sean says no predictions, Chris. <laughs> no, I, I'm not I'm not doing any. You know, it, it's funny. I just saw something on Instagram that D'Angelo got picked on, picked off waivers by the Oilers, but it was a meme. It was a joke. And I was like, oh, my God. I I saw so many jokes on Twitter. Some people were saying he was claimed off waivers by Pizza Hut, claimed off waivers by Olive Garden. (laughs) I I, I can't see him not getting picked off waivers. I can't. I can't see him not – I can't see him clearing. It's just weird. Like, I I think just because, like, all the stuff that's talked about him, how he's like a cancer in the locker room, like with all the rumors that he fought a Georgiev after one of the games – so maybe that's why people don't want to take a risk on him just being a locker room cancer. Yeah. Greg Wyshynski had has him predicted. He has a couple of theories about Columbus, and one of his theories is that that will be where he ends up if he Ooh. gets picked up by anyone. With Tortorella. So, uh, oh, I why know that could be a fun guys that have the issues. <laughs> Seriously, like he gets line A, he had Dubois, and now he like, might get he might get D'Angelo. He had Gosh. Domi. I wish HBO was doing a series still on that. Like, you know, when they used to do the – for the Winter Classic. Like, just imagining 24/7. if that would happen. Like, yeah, 24-7. We could just do D'Angelo Tortorella fights 24-7 <laughs> at that point. That would be brilliant. And then we got uh, Sean Fitzpatrick saying, I'm a liar. I have Nate Thompson in my fantasy roster. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I, I really want to pick up Thompson just to see what he can do. <laughs> Is he even playing for Winnipeg right now? I think he's hurt. He's hurt. I only he's he played hurt. last night. I watched Winnipeg last night. I didn't see him. I could be wrong. I, don't, I was I was looking for him. I didn't hear his name in the limited I watched. <laughs> then uh, Chris Dunn has uh, this is probably our one last question from the live chat saying, anyone left the call up that can make a reasonable difference? Uh, I would say not entirely. Probably not. Maybe. Maybe you throw Prosser in for another game. Maybe you sit Gustafson. Uh, maybe Ratcliffe. I know he's skated the other day. It looks like he's getting healthy. Maybe when he's healthier, um, I don't know. Maybe Torinsky. I don't really think anybody else, to be honest. I think Bottomman is probably your best bet. Um, I mean, taxi squad wise, it's going to be the same few guys. You know, it, it's pretty much everything we've seen already. Bottomman, Prosser, Morin. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, there's some guys that'll be down in Lehigh, like Wade Allison, Lazinski, like you said, yep. Ratcliffe. But even Tyson on those Forster. guys, yeah, Tyson Forster. I think I think probably the matter of it is is that they're probably not going to move the needle for you much right now, and it's better for them to probably be in the minors yeah. at this point. And uh, I'm going to throw you guys this one last question before we end it off. Uh, do you expect guys like, after their college season ends this year, do you expect guys like a Cam York and a Bobby Brink to sign their entry levels and maybe go down to the Lehigh Valley and play some games? So, uh, Tyson, let's start with you. York, yes. Uh, Brink, no. Um, I think that Brink will probably play one more year, I would guess. They would want that from him, though they may still offer him a, a contract. Uh, but with York in particular, he's on this Michigan team where I think they have nine freshmen. And, like, of those nine, I think, like, five are expected to go in the first round. Uh, yeah, it's in, no Beneers yeah, and Johnson or two of them. Owen Power. Yeah, and Owen Power, yeah. Power. And, and there's some other guys later, later on and – and so I think the likelihood is, mm-hmm, yeah, and the likelihood is a lot of those guys may just sign right away too. So, uh-huh. so he might find himself in a position where he may, yeah, I could see them doing that, especially after his World Juniors. And I don't know that he'll see yeah. NHL minutes. I think you're more likely to see Zamula, uh, 
do that at some point this year, but uh, I think he, he, you know, he might end up signing. But I think, I think they'll leave Brink for one more. I could be wrong, but that's my guess. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's my guess too. I, I was honestly thinking that York would, could honestly make the Flyers out of the camp next year. That's how good he's, he's looked to me. Um, I don't know if that'll happen. I know you'll probably think I'm an idiot after saying that, but um, you know, for the most part, I, I, I think York's status was already pretty high and then being the captain and winning the gold medal yep. at the World Juniors, I think made it even higher. Um, I know the Flyers see a lot in him. Um, he, It's funny, a lot of people say he, he reminds people of uh, Leach with the Rangers. And it's it's so weird to think, like, I never saw Leach play. But, like, it's crazy to think that, like, how he's looked at as, like, one of the guys who used to be one of the best defensemen in the 90s. It's 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 weird, but um, yeah, I I think Brink for this. I I think the same thing. I think another year of college most likely. Um, again, I think Brink is he looks good, but I think he needs to. He he's put in a tough like he was put in a tough spot with USA, and he he obviously got misused. I think, but he wasn't playing anywhere higher than the third line. Um, that just shows how good USA was. So again, I kind of think for the most part, um. I, I agree. I, I think he'll probably get one more year college. I think the Flyers will sign York um, after this year. This will definitely be his last college season. If he doesn't, if he doesn't make the Flyers out of camp, he's definitely playing with the Phantoms. No doubt about that. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't really necessarily be surprised if Samoa plays, uh, as you said, kind of comes up before. But again, I, I think I'm, a, I might be, a, I'm high on York, and I, I don't think there's really any any reason why I shouldn't be, to be honest. Uh, I kind of have that little pipe dream that he does like what Cal McCarr did with Colorado and he comes up like during the playoffs and he scores his first goal in the playoffs. That's just like that little pipe dream of mine. <laughs> so uh, we got Flyers tonight versus the New York Islanders. Once again, Travis Connecty is going to be in the lineup. Brian Elliott is going to be your starting goaltender. So uh, let's hope things are a little bit different than yesterday, even though we won yesterday. Let's hope we don't get outplayed like we did for two periods, not have eight shots for the last 40 minutes of the game. So uh, let's let's have some positive thoughts, positive thoughts going into this game. That's all we need. <laughs> and for people that are on this live stream, we are we are going to have the Flyers watch party tonight. Don't worry about that. It'll be on TPL YouTube, TPL Twitter, TPL Facebook. So that's don't have to worry about that. And thank you for people for joining this live stream. And for people that missed it or joined it late, it'll always be up on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts at. Don't forget to subscribe to TPL everywhere you find it. Subscribe to Chris's channel, Flyers Fan Mania 93. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, TTP Sports. Follow Tyson on Twitter at Quiet Tyson. Even follow Chris on Twitter, underscore Chris Mayer. Follow me on Twitter at Amadeo Gracia 98. Everything will definitely be talking about Flyers tonight. And it, hopefully it'll be a fun game. So for this episode of the Flyer Up Podcast, thank you everyone for joining. I'm your host, Stadio Gracia. That is Chris Mayer. That is Tyson Quiet And we will see you next time, and hopefully it'll be after a Flyers win tonight.